0: afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews.
1: Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. We really do just kind of want to know what's going on most of the time, don't we? The perpetual question, why, always haunts us especially when things don't go as we expect them to go. But it's those expectations that put us in the position of asking that perpetual question, why, why, why? And so today we're going to be talking to one of the world's thought leaders on the rules of the game of life. The entire world was moved a few years back when Dr. Sherry Carter-Scott published her best-selling book, If Life is a Game, These are the Rules. It's a simple but profound rendition of what we can and can't expect on the journey. Not knowing the simplified rendition of why we're here and what we can expect can keep us running into the walls we can find everywhere in our consciousness. But Dr. Sherry's book provides us with a template for living that we can return to again and again. So if you're wondering what the heck is going on, listen up. You're not going to want to miss this, even one word of this exciting and powerful show. New York Times number one best-selling author Sherry Carter-Scott has been coaching change successfully since 1974. She's an international author, entrepreneur, consultant, lecturer, teacher, trainer, talk show host, and seminar leader. Her company, Motivation Management Service Institute Incorporated, has reached millions of people worldwide. She's appeared on several national programs, including The Oprah Winfrey Show, Lisa, CNN, Amanda Lewis, Iyana. The other half, Montel, Jenny Jones, Sally, Jesse, Raphael, The Today Show, Politically Incorrect, and others. Her number one best-selling, If Life is a Game, These Are the Rules, which we're going to be talking about today, started a how-to series of books, including If Success is a Game, These Are the Rules, If Love is a Game, These Are the Rules, and Here's How to Break the Rules, A Cutting-Edge Guide to Becoming Yourself. Welcome, Dr. Cherie, to The Authentic Living Show. Thank you so much for being here today.
2: Thank you, Andrea. I'm delighted to be here.
1: Oh, great, great. Well, we're going to have a good time talking about your book because I loved it, loved it. It's just so simple and, as I said, profound. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, one of the, one of the things you say is that the first thing that will happen to us is that we're given a body. Well, we pretty much know that, but what does that mean in terms of the meaning of life?
2: Well, when you play Monopoly, you get either a Scotty Dog or a Top Hat or an Iron to be able to move around the board game. In the game of real life, you get a body. And the challenge with the body is making peace with it because some some of us, when we look in the mirror, when we look back at ourselves, we say, well, I didn't have that body in mind. I just had another idea in mind. How did I get this one? You know, I, when I went to the gym the other day, I had I had a vision. I saw the body I was supposed to get, but it wasn't on me. And so... Some of us have to come to terms with the fact that the body that we got, with its needs, its size, its shape, its uh, demands, is just somehow not the idea in our brain of how we thought we were going to spend this lifetime. So we have to, first of all, make peace with the body or the piece on the board game that we received, even if it doesn't match with our expectations.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and what that what its wisdom has for us. Yes. Yeah, okay. So, you know, one of the things that we don't like much about life are, are when we run into obstacles or situations or relationships that just seem to be like, why? You know, we ask, why? Why is this happening to me? What What's going on here? So you say this means that we're being presented with lessons. Can you say some more about that?
2: Oh, yes. Well, the lessons come in a variety of different forms. But they're there to teach us something. And some of us think that we shouldn't be in this perpetual school called life. You know, that it should be holiday, should be vacation, should be recess. But it shouldn't be continuous lessons all the time. It's like, enough already. I've learned my lessons. This is too much. But every time we're taught something, and it could be a lesson about relationships, or it could be a lesson about humility, could be a lesson about... Uh, how to manage our money, how to be able to live within our means, how to be generous, gracious. Thousands and thousands of lessons are out there. But rather than say to ourselves, why did this happen to me? How come? I'm such a nice person. And why did this calamity happen? We have to really say, what's the gift that the universe is giving me in the wrappings of something that I am rejecting? Yeah,
1: yeah, and we judge these circumstances, and we call them bad, and we say this is uh, can only be bad. I mean, look at it. Look how much suffering I'm getting out of it. So, we assume that yes, it must indeed be bad. But actually, what you're saying is that there's something good in it.
2: Well, it's interesting, you know. um, I have had a whole series of events happen to me, especially in my early years, that were you could interpret as bad. And if you interpreted them as bad I would be a, a definite victim but mm-hmm. if you look at them ever so slightly differently then all of a sudden they're a gift I'll give you an example when my uh, father died he disinherited all of his children
3: wow.
2: now you know you can say well you know big deal or you can say "What was the message or what was he trying to say it hurt us it hurt all of us but after a while of looking at it closely And it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't with the wave of a wand. I finally got the experience that my life was up to me. And if I was going to make it what I wanted it to be, it was about being empowered through the disinheritance rather than feeling left, stuck, or forgotten. Or disempowered. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's so many of those things in any given life. I mean, we, there, you know, some of us are really good at deciding that our problems are worse than anybody else's, but most of us just have problems in life and they are challenges and they are, uh, an, an attempt from the universal energies, whatever you want to call that, to give us some kind of lesson.
2: Exactly. And if we we're there and ready to learn the lesson, then the lesson can be checked off the list of what we had in our overall curriculum for the game of life.
1: Yeah, and that brings to the next one. You said there are no mistakes, there's only lessons. So, you know, when we think about that, well, we think maybe I won't learn the lesson. What if I don't learn the lesson? I might make a mistake and not learn the lesson. What happens then? (laughs)
2: Well, then you go on to number four right away. But I don't know if we're ready for four because three is really about negaholism. And negaholism is when you have a, a choice. There's a crossroads. And if you go one way, you beat yourself up. If you go the other way, there's something to learn from it. So if you learn the lesson, you can go on to the next one. If you beat yourself up about it, you reinforce the lesson and you're destined to repeat it. Right, yeah. right, and that do, yeah. Go
1: ahead. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that repetition thing is a, is a. You know, it's just real pain, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, you know, I hear some people as a therapist. I hear people say all the time, you know, when am I, when, when is this going to be over? And and you know, the hard truth response to that, uh, of course, given very gently, but but the hard truth response to that is when you're when you're
2: finished with it. Yep, when you're finished with it, when you complete it, when you graduate. It's interesting, we had this uh, situation just this last year in our family. We're our family home in uh, Santa Barbara, California. We ended up with a dose of what they call mold. I don't know if you Mm. know what mold is, but they say mold is equal to gold. And after we found the mold, we then (laughs) got wood rot. And with the wood rot came termites. So it's like this is, I mean, rolling, okay, what's next? Oh, well, we just have to tear apart your house, you know, in pieces and chunks and take bites out of it. And it's like, okay, okay, Lord, when will we have learned this lesson? When will we have learned it? Okay. And so it was seven months of going through this process with a pretty challenging economy, and on top of it, mold, wood rot, and termite. Okay, so can we learn this lesson? Can we get it behind us? Have we paid our dues yet? Yes, finally we did. And it was a relief. But in the process, there was that tendency to want to ask why and how long and how many times do we have to go through this. But, you know, when you get it, you get it and it's done and you can check it off the list.
1: Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I want to ask this. Um, You've kind of hinted at that just a little bit. What does karma have to do with all this?
2: Well, you know, you can believe in karma or not believe in karma, but if you believe in karma, it means that you're paying off a debt that you incurred sometime you may not even remember when. But it's something that has to be erased from your overall plan. Otherwise, it will keep coming back at you, which gets us into number four. And number four is, Andrea... Yeah, I'm A here. Lesson. <laughs> A lesson I'm, is repeated I'm, until learned. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's gonna. Yeah, we just have to keep getting it until we learn it.
2: Exactly. Right. You can say and, that again.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and yeah, and so you know, you can look at karma in all kinds of different ways, but uh, you know, I, I look at karma as the the intention of our souls to help us to become more aware of our souls. But either way, the 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 lessons get us there. So and and Yes, we do. Yep. So we're going to take a break now and we'll be back with more from Dr. Cherie Carter Scott about her wonderful book if life is a game these are the rules. Stay tuned for more.
3: Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network.
4: The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming healthcare care
0: 472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews.
1: And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to expanding science beyond Conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, Ions is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. And we're talking today to Dr. Cherie Carter Scott regarding her book, If Life is a Game, These Are the Rules. And what we just So far about the rules is that you're going to be given a body that you're going to be presented with lessons that there are no mistakes only lessons and that if we don't get the lesson we get to repeat it until we learn it. And then the next one uh, that comes up after that is learning does not end. Why doesn't it end. I mean really do we have to keep doing this. Why doesn't it end.
2: Well like I said before many of us keep looking for that vacation. You know that that break that time called summer vacation or graduation or i got out of school now and now it's uh i can play i can have some fun well you, you can play and have fun all along the trip but as long as you're in a body there's still lessons to learn and that's the real challenge because some of us think hey come on i'm old now you know i'm i've, I've been a mother and I've been a business owner and I've been a grandmother and, you know, come on, give me a break. I'm old now. It should be over. But there are new lessons. There are lessons related to the body, related to loss, related to uh, treating yourself well and caring for yourself. It never ends the process of learning those lessons about life.
1: Yeah, and I'm really glad it doesn't because the truth is I think that life would get kind of boring if you just... We're bumping along with the same old material.
2: <laughs> well, it doesn't get too boring. I'll tell you that. It's, what's really interesting is what's around the corner, what's next. And if you keep choosing the ways that you want to learn and develop, it really does put off the aging process because they say that you only start aging once you stop learning. Mm that's interesting
1: that must be why i'm so youthful <laughs>
2: you
1: yeah i think that's interesting I, I i mean i do think that there's a lot that had you know maslow i mean um erickson uh, provided us with stages of development and the last one was a uh, generative stage where we're giving back but i think there's just more to it than just that i think we're i mean also i'm aware as i'm aging that that, you know, life is the end of my life is ultimately coming and that makes me much more aware of my body and it makes me more attuned to my life energy and my life itself and how much joy I want to put into it. And there's just a lot that comes along with each, um, each sort of step up the ladder, if you want to think of it that way.
2: And, and it is a step. It's a definite step because if you don't take care of your body, if you don't take care of your relationships, your finances, of your goals, of your activity level, life will happen to you. And so it's either a process of whether you're going to take the opportunity to do what you need to do to care for yourself in all aspects of life and to be able to give back to others if that legacy is important to you, or life will happen to you.
1: hmm yeah, and we'll then feel like a victim of life instead of a, a lover exactly. of life. Yep. Yeah, I love the next one. It says, "There is no better than here," and I think that is one of the primary struggles that we, and in, in the wealthier countries of the world particularly, are struggling with. That we we assume that because we've got this hot new dream that we're supposed to have it, and and, and there over there is going to make me happier than here.
2: Yeah, and the funny thing in English and it doesn't happen in other languages, but in English, once you take the T off of there, it becomes here. <laughs> and so you're moving from, I want to be there, as soon as you get to there, it becomes here, and then you have a whole new set of theirs. <laughs> and the the real seduction, as you say, is um, never being content with where I am. And there's a two-edged sword there. Number one is wanting to be growing and continuously evolving into ourselves, but the other part is the level of dissatisfaction with whatever is present in our lives. Yeah. So which the paradox, keeps, yeah. Go
1: ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The,
2: the paradox is embracing life as it is now and allowing ourselves to be happy with what is and allowing ourselves to grow simultaneously without it being better over there But just Mm -hmm. being part of our evolutionary process.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's yeah, that's that is a conundrum a little bit. But I think we, you know, we're in a in the Western world, we're in such a goal-driven, purpose-driven mindset that we say that unless I'm accomplishing my goals, I'm not really living life to its optimum level, and and that puts us in a measuring we're measuring ourselves to i'm not quite good enough until i get there and uh so that adds more to it i think that we and if we could sort of you know tone that down just a little bit i'm not saying we don't have goals but i am saying that we need to be present with with where we are today so much more than we need to be worrying about what's going on tomorrow
2: would Absolutely. you agree so what we yeah. have today that's what we have that's why we call it the present. As it says in the book, yesterday's history, tomorrow is a mystery, today is a gift. And that's why we call it the present.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's a big one. And then the other one, and that also I think is one of the primary ones that really is hard for us to swallow, is that
2: others are only a mirror of us. <laughs> Most people hate that one. Yeah, That's really. The one that they say I, I'm behind all the other ones, but that one you lost me. And uh, <laughs> right. the idea here with others is that when you see something in someone else that you really appreciate and you value and you you praise or you love it, it's a part of you that you see mirrored back that you're embracing because you own that part of you. You see it in somebody else and you accept and embrace it. And when you see something in someone else that you judge, that you find fault with, that you have difficulty with, usually there is a gift if you're willing to look at what is the mirror that it's telling you. Example, if I'm in a restaurant and the person across the way is laughing excessively loudly and I find it very irritating, as opposed to judging that person as having an irritating laugh and being insensitive, maybe ask myself, When was the last time I let myself laugh out loud that, that joyously, that vociferously? And the answer is not recently. You know, maybe I keep myself in check. Maybe I hold myself back. So every gift that we receive in another person can tell us something about ourselves if we're willing to look. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you know, just as much as we're measuring ourselves, we're measuring others, and we're measuring ourselves by the standards that that we measure others by. <laughs> so it gets real convoluted. But it, it, it. I mean, I think if we could drop the measurement and look in the mirror, we we'd do a lot better.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, it it has everything to do with judgments and positive judgments and negative judgments because mm-hmm. it's all saying something about me. If it weren't in me, I wouldn't even notice it in them.
1: Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I think that's one of the ways we can find who we really are is by looking in that, at that stuff that, that we see in other people and either judge positively or negatively and, and say, oh, well, there I am. (laughs) So it's a, it's a way of, it's a pathway to finding who we really are if we look at it
2: that way. And it's a tough one. Not so much with the positive, but it's a tough one with the negative. You know, when people look at another person and they judge them and they say, well, okay, well, what's the mirror here? So, what do you mean what mirror? That's them. That's not me. That's a hard mirror to look into. Yeah, yeah.
1: And and because we we have a standard, you know, again, that standard is part of the problem. But, but just knowing that we're surrounded all the time by mirrors, it could be so helpful if we would just recognize that, oh, okay, there I am, Without, and then we can sit with ourselves without judgment and receive that bit of information we got
2: from the mirror. And and that piece of information can help us embrace and love ourselves even more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So, you know, this, uh, the, and, and the next one is, is not quite as hard to swallow, although I mean I think there's been several things of late that have helped us come to terms with this one. But it is a hard one. What you make of your life is up to you. Keeps us like from thinking. Said, li-
2: it, go we ahead. Can, we, can go, we can go the route of the victim and say, you don't understand my circumstances. You don't know how bad I had it. I mean, it was really tough on me. I could talk to you about my alcoholic mother and about my upbringing and about how difficult it was. But ultimately, who cares? The ultimate choice is, am I going to be a statistic? Am I going to be among the expectations, or am I going to take a hold of my life and make it truly what I want it to be from my heart, from my soul? Or am I going to just follow in the steps of, you know, that's how it turned out. You're part of the statistics. It was expected. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, the hobgoblins of little minds, as Ralph Waldo Emerson said, yeah. We we get reduce ourselves to the standard put forth by some something out there, yeah. And and that whole thing, um, you know, I, I talk to so many people about, uh, you know, in, in in my practice and all of that, and I'm sure you do too. That where they're saying that, um, you know, I can't. I just have no choice. I can't. There's nothing I can do about that. Um, and that sort of mantra, hypnotizes us into a state of of not owning our own life.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you, if you reinforce the I can't side, whether you think you can or you think you can't, either way you're right, as the old saying goes. And do you want to be right about that you can't do it? Because you can. You can build a case for yourself. You can prove it, and you can get people to commiserate with you. Or you can say, that's not how i wanted to end up i want to build a case that i can and that i broke through and that i somehow found the resources the strength the support the love around me to be able to change the seemingly impossible and make my dream come true
1: yeah yeah and that brings us back to the earlier ones about no mistakes only lessons and lessons are repeated until they're learned because this that process of owning our lives is one where we have to accept our mistakes and and learn our lessons.
2: If we want to be able to really experience life as a wonderful experience and heal from everything that happens and to be able to grow through it, that's the opportunity here. The other choice is to be able to suffer and to be able to feel like a victim and to get through the day, get through the year, get through the life, but feeling resentful and hopeless and powerless. All right.
1: well we're going to be back with more on that very topic in just a few more minutes so stay tuned
3: awakened media for a transforming world seventh wave network
4: The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming healthcare care.
0: wellness network
3: awakened media for a transforming world 7th wave network
1: Okay, so here's where we're at. We're talking to Dr. Sherry Carter-Scott about her book, If Life is a Game, These Are the Rules. And we've spent the past uh, uh, two segments of our show talking about some of the really important parts of life. We're given a body. We're presented lessons. There are no mistakes. There's only lessons. A lesson is repeated until it's learned. The learning never stops. And there is no better than here. And others are only mirrors of you. So that's where we've gotten to so far. And uh, what we were talking about just before the break was that our, we make our lives what we want it to be or what we decide it's going to be. And uh, you were talking just before the break, uh, uh, Dr. Sherry, about, about this whole thing of what we, got, what we can choose with regard to that, that piece of responsibility of our lives. You want to say some more about that?
2: You know, there's this funny story, and it's in the book as well, and it's about these twin brothers who have a birthday. And when they're giving me a birthday, their father comes to them, and he's very, very excited. and the first boy he takes and he takes him to the barn, and it's a barn full of horse manure and the boy looks at his father and he goes, "What kind of a birthday present is that? You're just a mean old father. That's a terrible present. He stomps off in a huff. and the second boy, the other twin. He takes him to the barn, and he shows him the barn full of horse manure, and the boy runs and gets a shovel, and he starts digging, digging, digging. And the dad says, and, and what are you doing, son? He says, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. That's right. The, I love that one. That's great. And the so, philosophy behind it is when when the universe gives you a barn full of manure, do you look for the pony, or do you just stomp off in a pout?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and how do we know what's under there? You know, yeah, that whole thing of, of being able to just say, okay, I'm willing to explore this. And that's not generally what we're ge- willing to do. We're generally willing to say, I don't want this. So either I'm going to go into denial about it or I'm going to fight with it.
2: Yeah. We look at it at face value and we look at the wrappings. We often don't look underneath the wrappings to see, you know, maybe this is fertilizer. Maybe this is to grow something. You know, there's lots of other uses as opposed to saying, that's not what I expected. And when it doesn't match with our expectations, we get disappointed. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I find that in this process of taking responsibility, meditation, for me and for many others I know, has so much to do with our willingness to just sit and receive whatever comes, just as we would be willing to sit and receive whatever thoughts and emotions might arise in us when we're meditating. Do you have anything to say about that?
2: Well, just the the fact, the thought of being able to sit and to be able to sit quietly and to be able to allow yourself to let the universe speak to you and to speak to your soul and to be able to listen, because our world is so filled with frantic behavior that we're always rushing around from one thing to the next, as you said before, with that goal-oriented, driven mentality, that to be able to seize the moment and say, I'm going to be in the stillness, I'm going to listen, I'm going to receive. That, that in and of itself is a fantastic achievement. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: And it takes some level of faith, doesn't it? To be able to, to just kind of go, okay, I'm going to sit with this and, and not judge
2: it and I'm going to see what happens next. Exactly. It's, it's faith and trust because you have to have that, that faith that there is a bigger picture involved here. And the trust that it's going to work out as opposed to moving into worry and fear and panic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And those things, I remember uh, my mother saying to me when I was little that panic only made things worse. Uh, And I think that's really probably pretty true. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It makes us paralyzed and unable to move a lot of the times. <laughs> That's mostly what it does. Yeah, it's not productive, and your your mom knew what she was talking about, because if you can step back, take a deep breath, and focus, and say, all right, what can we do here? What are our options? Um, mm-hmm. Let's look and see. As opposed to just, the, you know, this isn't what I wanted. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and looking at options is one of those things that's very often hard for us to do. I very often see clients who come in, and the only thing that's getting them stuck is that they can't see any options, and we talk about different options, and they can walk away from it, you know, so
2: they've yeah. got other options. Yeah. yeah, you know, I was meeting with a couple who um, I was coaching with, I still am, recently, and the husband was so upset, like, you know, why are you this? Why are you that? Why are you, how come, how come? And this and I've got all this pressure and he was complaining, complaining, complaining. And what happened to him is that uh, one of his close friends just dropped out of a heart attack, you know, in his early fifties. And yeah. the guy had this wake up call and he called me and he said, something's shifted inside me. I'm, I'm stopping. I'm stopping the behavior of complaining and I'm going to be grateful for every day that I have from now on. It was miraculous, truly miraculous. And their relationship transformed as a result of him stopping complaining. Wow. Wow,
1: that's huge. That's definitely huge. Yeah, and, and something triggered inside of him that allowed him to do that. It wasn't just the external force, but something inside came true, too. And that brings us to the next one. All your answers lie inside of you. Can you say some more about that?
2: Oh, yeah. You know, the thing is that we live in a society in which we are encouraged to look outside ourselves to other people for answers. For almost any subject, looking to others. Now, there again, it's a two-edged sword. Learning from other people is a blessing and a gift because people can teach us something with every interaction, which is very helpful. But when you're not looking within yourself and you're looking to others for all the answers for your life, it limits you and disempowers you. So the ideal here is to be able to, as you said before, take that time to be able to reflect and meditate and listen and tune in and see what insights, revelations, what discoveries uh, you're supposed to learn from the situation and to be able to learn them not have them just happen, and then you get upset because it's not what you would want or it doesn't match your expectations, but to be able to look inside and to be able to see what's true. You know, this is something that I think happens whenever we're in a transition, you know, going from one point to the next, like, well, what what's important to me? What are my values? What do I want to be able to align with to be able to fulfill this next chapter of my life? And as opposed to looking outside ourselves at the materialistic world, the goal-driven world, looking inside and seeing, what, what does my heart say? What does my soul indicate? What, what's true for me?
1: Yeah, and those, you know, we have to learn, don't we, have to, don't we, to, to uh, have some discernment about what's going on inside of us? Because the first thing that happens very often when we go inside of us is we find some emotion in there that's difficult like anger or sorrow or fear. And, and, and we have to learn to find the messages in those as well, don't we?
2: Well, yeah, because the emotions, as I say, are the lights on the dashboard of life. And if you're driving your car and your car says, I need oil, you'll give it to it, right? Mm-hmm. But if your situation says, I need to get angry, do you give yourself permission to get angry? at a situation or do you allow yourself to cry i remember when my daughter was turning 18 and i had this kind of incredible sadness and my logical mind said you knew this was coming you know it's just a matter of counting the years and she's going to be leaving home to go on to college but inside me there was this incredible sadness and for me i had to sit down with a pad and a pen and allow myself to write out what was i feeling and it wasn't just sadness that she was leaving; it was this thought: Did I do enough? Was I good enough? Did I fulfill my role as mother? Did I bake enough cookies for her? Did I play with her? Did I love her enough? Did she get it? Did I prepare her for life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you
1: got you stayed with it long enough to really sort of. Um, what am I trying to say edge out or sort of squeeze out whatever there was there for you to to um, to get from that that you were looking back at your life and sort of reevaluating and having what what astrologers might call a Saturn moment where you look back and kind of go, okay, what's true and what's false here
2: Yeah and it was a it was a long letter that I wrote to her. That was a presentation on her 18th birthday to be able to say to her, you know, here you are, you're being launched as a woman, as an adult, and this is my gift to you. Uh, Along with everything else that you received, this is my gift. I've done my best, and I hope it was enough.
1: Right, and if you had not... Gone through the process of allowing yourself to feel the sadness and the, you know, sort of reevaluating, you might not have written that letter. You might have just said, oh, well, this is just part of life. I'm just going to have to get over it.
2: Exactly. It would have just been another day in the life called a sad day, as opposed Mm -hmm. to looking underneath the sadness and seeing the, do I match with my expectations of how I was supposed to be? And of course, those of us in the world who are mothers have this expectation of, perfection is the only level that's acceptable, you know, preparing oh, yeah. the next generation. So it's a pretty high standard, and it's hard to cut yourself slack when you don't measure up to your expectations as a mom. Right.
1: And But as you said, going back to that other one, there are mo- no mistakes, only lessons. So we have to assume that even the mistakes that we made with our children have something to give both to us and to them.
2: Yes, and that's the other thing about the lessons is that they keep keep weaving in and out of each other. So if it's, you know, um, all your answers lie inside of you, and it pertains to each different chapter, each different juncture. And so all your answers lie inside of you, pertain to your career choice. They pertain to your mate choice. They pertain to your parenting moments. They pertain to everything. Right, right. Yeah, that is so, so
1: beautiful to think that, you know, there's nothing that happens in our lives. If we can just sort of sit with that for a minute and go, there is absolutely nothing that has happened in my life or ever will happen in my life that isn't a gift.
2: Yeah. That's pretty profound.
1: Yeah, it sort of wraps a rainbow around everything, doesn't it?
2: Well, Andrea, the point that you're making, which is really an important point, is that if we're willing to take the time to reflect on the different important moments, whether they were important as in special and precious, or whether they were important because they gave us an important lesson that was difficult to swallow and difficult to get, but if we took the time to actually look at all of those significant moments, there would be a gift in every single one of them.
1: All right, well, we're going to stop there and come back in just one more moment for our final segment with Dr. Cherie. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. It's a good one coming.
3: Awakened media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network.
4: The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences' research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming health care. The Mayan calendar tells us that we
3: will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history?
0: That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews.
1: we've been talking today to Dr. Sherry Carter-Scott, author of the best-selling book, If Life is a Game, These are the Rules. And we've been going over some of those rules as we've talked today and sort of processing through some of what they have to say. And uh, we've saved the best for last, uh, and I want to talk about that. But before we go there, I, I want you, to, if you will, Dr. Sherry, to introduce uh, yourself, your website, uh, to the listening audience and tell them how they might make contact with you and anything else you'd like to
2: share. The website is www.dr for doctor c h e r i e for com. so it's www.drsheree.com all one word and if you go to the site in the very middle of the screen there is a crawling scroll that's in black and white it keeps moving along and if you click on that part you can get a book ordered and signed specifically to you And that would be our wonderful completion if you wanted one of our books to be able to be sent to someone that you love for the holidays. We would love to do that and to address it to them with a special message sent from you to them or from you to to you, whichever you would prefer. We would love to do that. We also have in 2012 some requests for me to teach our coach training that I've been teaching for over three decades. And we've been training and teaching coaches around the world and uh, we could do another one in the United States at this moment. I'm being asked if I would. If you're interested in that, contact us at www.drcherie, C-H-E-R-I-E at the end, dot com and let us know that you're interested. And we will contact you and see if it's a match. Wonderful. That's
1: great. That's real exciting. Okay. All right. So I want to get to this last uh, point that you've saved to the be- best of the last in your book as well. You said you're going to forget all of this at, bo- at birth. And <laughs> all these wonderful things we've forgotten at birth. And that, you know, it's another hard pill to swallow, but very important to remember. Can you say some more about that?
2: Well, remembering and forgetting are the dance of consciousness. If we remembered everything all the time, there really wouldn't be any challenge at all. But if we forgot everything all the time, well, then there would be a game. So it's an interesting dance between remembering who we are, why we're here, what's our life about, and those moments of forgetting or temporary amnesia that allow us to make the game of life an interesting dance.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we forget so we can have an interesting dance. As I said a little while ago, we I, I might get bored if it we didn't have anything to learn. So it, yeah, you you know, I'm sure. You, go ahead.
2: It's it, Andrea. It's to keep you from being bored.
1: Yes, that's right. There you go. There you go. So, you know, but I'm sure you've heard people say uh, what I'm about to say, which is, you know, how frustrating that we have to have to remember again, you know, and if there are other lives, how many times have we had to remember it again?
2: (laughs) Yes, but that's the challenge. It's like I knew that. I knew that. Why did I forget that? I knew that at the time, but why didn't I listen to myself? Why didn't I trust myself? Why didn't I do what I know I should do? Well, because you obviously hadn't totally gotten that lesson yet, so you had to repeat it until it's learned. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. So as as we go, we're getting to know ourselves better and better, and we're remembering more and more about who we are and more and more about uh, life itself. And as
2: we do that,
1: people call us wise.
2: Yes, and and wisdom is one of those things where you surrender to who you are and what you're here to do. And in that wisdom comes a kind of settling into embracing life and all of its all of its totality. What is there to teach us and the gifts that we've learned along the way?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think you know this whole thing about lessons. You know, it, it makes life so much richer, doesn't it? To to go down to the depths and really get. The treasure that's in there, and bring it back home, and be able to use it—it it, it makes life just so much more rich, so much richer. Because otherwise, we would just be trying to survive.
2: Exactly. That's the difference. Whether you're trying to survive and you're just getting through the day or the year—that's the survival part. Just making ends meet, just making certain that the wolves are stayed off. But the. The real enlightened part of it is learning the lessons that the game is here to teach us, whatever those lessons happen to be, without resistance or resentment.
1: Yes, and we go back to inside of ourselves to really get those lessons.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's where it all starts.
1: Okay. And finishes, I guess, there too. You know, I, you know, we know, we all know people who we would, we might look at and say, well, they haven't learned any lessons. They're just, you know, the same as they always were. And they're not ever going to get it. And we, we, we might be frustrated by some of those people and we just go, oh, well, they're not ever going to get it. So what do we say about those people? What can we say about, in light of what you have presented to us today, what can we say about those people who might even be us?
2: Well, it could be us. Um, I think it goes back to number seven, others are only mirrors of us. And because if it really bothers us that they haven't learned the lesson, I would say to myself, what lesson have I not learned? What lesson am I resisting? And if I'm willing to forgive that person for not learning their lesson, then I can thank the universe for giving me the lesson that I'm here to learn. Yeah. So forgiveness is really key in the process forgiving myself forgiving others oh yeah
1: yeah so and that forgiving ourselves is i uh, you know i wonder sometimes if it's not bigger than forgiving others
2: sure yeah it can be absolutely huge in terms of the uh, embracing uh, you know what what this is to teach me, what this person is to teach me. They're right in front of me, and they're driving me crazy. Am I willing to look and see what it is? What's the irritation level? Right. You know, underneath that irritation is a gift.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so, for saying it just like that. I think that's so true, and I think if we just kind of sit with that irritation and go, okay, what are you saying to me? Then it will present us with something that may, has meaning. There's a meaning maker, as I call it. So... Yeah, and, and the other thing, too, isn't it true that we don't know what other people are supposed to be learning and, and how, how sort of how dare we say what they ought to get and what they ought not to get?
2: Exactly. We have no idea what their lessons are. You know, I, I recall a few years ago when we had Princess Diana, and there she was, the perfect package, beautiful, charming, a princess, a perfect life until you get closer and closer and closer and you start seeing how truly miserable she was inside. And we judge the book by the cover. Isn't it perfect? Isn't it wonderful? But then when you see inside the sadness and the loss and the, the pain, it's very difficult to judge because we don't know. We're not in there. We don't have her lessons.
1: Exactly. And, I, you know, I hear this, I'm sure you do too, that so many people as we're talking and thinking through our lives, we kind of go, well, well, you know, they've just uh, everybody else has got so and so and so and so, and how come I don't? How come I have so much trouble with that? And you know, that's so interestingly that, that we can do that. Everybody, I remember again my mother saying about, well, everybody else. Who is everybody else? You know, um, so we have we have that idea that it's like you said, there is better than here. It's greener on the other side of the fence. What they have is better than I what I have, and it keeps us in this sort of position of not really being able to receive the riches that life has to give us.
2: Yeah, it keeps, comparisons keep you stuck. And if you yeah. compare yourself or your situation or your challenges to other people thinking that your challenges are bigger or your problems are worse, that comparison will keep you stuck in the situation that you're in. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and I guess vice versa, if we think we're better than others and, and, you know, that we have more and are better than others, and we also can stay stuck there and not receive things that would come to
2: us later. Well, that's the big challenge of arrogance. You know, it was uh, a long time ago when I had, um, my daughter was 18 months old, and I felt like I had arrived, I had... The husband, the baby, the house, the organization. I had a blessed life. Everything was perfect in it until I came home one day and he left a note and he was gone. Oh, my and goodness. And the big rug of life was pulled out from underneath me. And when I looked deep inside, I said, what is this lesson? And the answer was I had gotten arrogant with my life. I had gotten prideful. And what I hadn't done is accepted my gifts humbly. And the yeah. lesson was for me, a big lesson in humility.
1: Yep. And we got to have to end on that one, and that's a big one to end on. And thank you very much, Dr. Cherie, for being here today. And next week we're going to be talking about the distinction between magical thinking and spiritual thinking. So you don't want to miss that. Stay tuned for that. And remember, your job, if you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Mm-hmm.